Hello, everybody. Hello, Susan. Hello, Graham. Hello, Don. I hope you guys are ready for tonight. We have a great guest appearance tonight. A fantastic guest appearance tonight for my first guest appearance of 2021. How's everybody doing tonight? I hope everybody's doing fine. On the uh, Quest Facebook group, I welcome you all on my Quest YouTube channel. I welcome you all also. We have a great night in store, maybe a good 50-minute guest appearance. Uh, Tony will take some questions uh, after we do our little presentation in the front end of the uh, um, interview. And we'll go from there. Hi, Starlene. How are you? Hi, Ann. Hope you guys had a great day today. Hello, Wanda. Hope everybody's doing fine. Um, I just want to put out a couple of things out there that I've been getting PMs. Hi, Jenny. How are you? I've been getting some PMs on uh, hacked accounts. Um, I can't look up and determine if your account has been hacked or not. So the only course I have is to delete that account. And that's for that. People are getting friend requests from Rick and Marty. I would just delete those. That's just more spam to get your information. They are not on social media. Hello, Stelly from Belgium. Hello, David. Um, we're getting notes of uh, the show's been canceled. That is spam. That's uh, a deleted material. That's only clickbait that I'm getting a lot of PMs that people are getting uh, hacked accounts. I just delete all that stuff. Even when people send me other things that are, are, are here's free cash, blah, 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 blah. I just delete and ban that member if their account is um, compromised. So I have no idea if it's actually you or actually is a hacked account. So what I do is it's easier for me. I can't go through all these accounts. I just delete them. Hi, Diana from Traverse City, home of the Lagina family. So I wanted to put that out there about the uh, um, friend request from Rick and Marty. Just delete them. The show's not canceled. That's just spam and delete that. That's just more clickbait. And the hack accounts, uh, I just delete them all. I don't go through them. I just see them. I delete it and remove user. So I wanted to tell all you guys. Hi, Rick. Howdy. How are you? How are you guys doing? Yep. Well, tonight we got Tony Sampson on board, and he's going to come on in about two minutes. And then I want you guys to uh, notify me if there's no volume. Hi, David, on the YouTube side. If there's no volume, if there's no audio, if there's no video, you guys tell me uh, how everything's coming across, okay? Hi, Chris Dona. Chris Dona in the house. Doing okay, Chris. Doing okay. Doing okay. Hi, Amy from New Hampshire. Rick. Diana again. David. Jenny. Big crew coming in from Alabama, Ontario, Australia, New Zealand. Oh, my God. Hi, Joanne. How are you? Hi, Katrina. Great. Great show we're going to have tonight, so we're going to have a good time. You know, I got my Woodford uh, Preserve uh, 
double oak. I might have to take a nip after about 10 or 15 minutes to keep the throat smooth. You know, you know what I mean, guys? So uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. All is coming through great, Diana. I thank you so much. Wanda from Mississippi. Oh, my God. Josh Woodford. Josh Woodford. Sounds great. Looks great. Okay. So I said my little spiel on that, on the friend request from everybody. We do have a little delay from B Live to Facebook Live. So the same old, same old. So without further ado, Roberta from Illinois, how are you? How many of you guys want to see Tony Sampson? Boom. I knew it. I knew it. And I want to thank him so much for coming on tonight. So here he is. Without further ado, let's bring in from the Curse of Oak Island, from the SaltyDogTours.com business. Don't forget, for 2021, if you got a boat tour, check in with Tony. He'll give us more information on that. Let's get them going. Let's pack them boats up. We're going around Oak Island uh, in 2021. And here he is, Tony. I'm going to bring you up right now. Hello, Tony. How you doing, John? Very good. We we came on with no glitches at all. How are you, Tony? Good. Yourself? Good. Members from Quest of Oak Island and the Quest YouTube channel, welcome you aboard for being a guest appearance and my first guest appearance in 2021. Remember that. Oh, thank you for having me on board, John. <laughs> <laughs> Don Brett says, cheers, Tony. Roberta says, welcome. Joanne says, welcome, Tony. And cheers to you, too. Cheers, Tony. Cheers. Tim from Brownwood. Connie says, hello, Tony. Susan Utterson, hello, Tony. Hello from California. Now, are you seeing any of the chat or you're just seeing me, Tony? No, I can actually see some of the chat coming up now, John. Okay. And so the people from all over the place popping in here. This is marvelous. Yep. I wasn't sure what you had on. I forgot to ask you before. Jacqueline, hi Tony, David Long, Happy New Year. Okay, oh my God, the gang is getting heavy here. Well, happy Roberta New Year, says, too, and um, hopefully it's not too cold down there for you guys yet. Yep. Uh, anything below uh, sixty-five degrees, Tony, I'm freezing. Sixty-five. Well, it's a little bit colder than that here. <laughs> We're about 31 here tonight, John. Oh, my God. Uh, my moderator, Tammy Williams, says, hi, Tony Sampson. Um, Chris Dona, you know from the show, he welcomes you aboard. Chris. Um, fantastic. And my other moderator, Judy Forsett, she'll be aboard very shortly. Those are my two main uh, people that help me with this group. And... Um, Connie says, Tony, I'm colder in Georgia than you are. Oh, my God. <laughs> I bet you're not colder than when I get in the ocean, Connie. I hear you. I hear you. All right, Tony. Um, We're in. Okay, so now 
I always started off with my first question that you probably had the first question like this here throughout all your guest appearances or podcasts or whatever you've been doing. Because I don't go to any other sites. I don't go to any other groups. I like to keep it fresh. So what you see is what you get. I don't edit nothing. I just say what I say. Good to hear, John. How did you get involved with the show from the beginning? Uh, thank you, Tony. Um, so from the beginning, um, I was actually uh, asked to go on Oak Island to, um, to help Marty and Alex with um, some diving in season one. And um, what happened was uh, I went out there and we got some gear together for them. And uh, we did a couple of test dives off the beach here. And mm -hmm. then we looked at a couple of dive sites on the um, northern side of uh, Oak Island itself, just uh, to the west of Smith's Cove. And um, from there, um, it just grew into a friendship. And uh, I've been very fortunate to be um, on uh, back with them every season so far. Right. And this was in uh, 2013? Um, 2012, I believe. 2012, okay. Yeah, and that, they're, they're, uh, they really are. They're lovely people. Yeah, it comes across to, to me that they're very genuine, they're very uh, honest, very trustworthy that I hit. You know, you would get a, a vibe. I sort of get a good vibe and a bad vibe right off the bat with people. I don't know if that's a good trait or not, but... um. <laughs> You know, you either know you're going to sort of click a little bit or it's you're like uh, opposite magnets sometimes. You know what I mean, Tony? Yeah. No, from day one, I, I really, um, really enjoyed uh, my time with them. And um, just to show you what sort of people they are, um, I had some tourists or some guests out on my charter the other year. And uh, as we were approaching the southern side of um, the island there, uh, I heard Tony, Tony you know, a voice calling out and I was looking around trying to see anybody on the shore and I couldn't see anybody. And then, so what I saw was this head bobbing up in the water and it was Marty and he swam out to the boat and actually climbed on board and started talking to uh, the tourists I had on board that day. So, you know, that friendly, that open, just great people. He swam to your tour boat. Correct. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, um, how many years did it take until you decided? I know, like, you're a commercial diver, right? Yes. And what got you into getting involved in doing Oak Island tours, which are saltydogtours.com, and buying boats and getting all that system going to have a tour around Oak Island? How did that, how did that even start? Well, um, at the time, John, uh, I was actually working as a paramedic here in Nova Scotia. Okay. And so obviously the hours were long and um, you, uh, you, you didn't get that many holidays. So when Oak Island started, uh, the TV show um, season one, I was still working as a paramedic as well. Mm -hmm. And then three years ago, um, I saw an opportunity there. People were coming and obviously wanted to do tours of Oak Island, but with the limited amount of tickets that go on sale for the island, mm -hmm. um, opportunity there for me to take some of the other guests 
around the island by boat. So they get a whole different perspective from the ocean. So they actually get the perspective that the original people coming to Oak Island would have seen coming in from the ocean. And so from, Caesar, uh, from that first year in 2017, 2018, it grew to, to what it is now. So last year, last year just gone, obviously being a COVID year wasn't great right. because right down. But 2019 was phenomenal. I actually left paramedicine in 2019 um, to do the tours and uh, the diving full time. Now, how many boats do you have, uh, Tony? Uh, at the moment, um, I'm running, well, this year I ran one full time, mm -hmm. but 20 ran two and I was supposed to run between four or five this year just gone but obviously COVID changed everything right but uh here's my idea you ready uh, Tony I'm when ready you, I'm going to show you this picture when you get this boat I want you to start out like 25 miles out from uh, Oak Island I want you to get me all kinds of Templar uniforms I want it all and a lot to drink also so here we go Ah, I see the vessel. Uh, I think she would be a, a great addition to my fleet. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I love it. Love it. Let me see. Um, if I, I, don't, I could get a lot closer to the island with my current vessels than I can with that. Oh, yeah, but it's not, the, it's not my uh, Templar uh, experience. You know, I got to live into the experience. As you get older, you got to live. You gotta, I got to wear the Templar uh, uniform. I got to have the flags. I got to have guys rowing in this boat. I got to have rum dripping off my lips. You know what I mean? And I want to see what the Templar saw an original boat from like 25 miles out and say, yay, there's the oak tops. That's where we have to go. There's the oak canopy. That's what I want to see. And this brings me to another question, Tony. I mean, I got 72,000 and they're active members, like I told you. Because of the COVID, and I know, I mean, you'd have to put a charge to it, but then nobody would come on the boat. Everybody's asking me, how come Tony doesn't put virtual tours, you know, put a camera on the boat and actually do maybe half, you know, don't show it all because then nobody would come on the boat, but some kind of vi uh, virtual uh, thing for the people who are disabled, for the people who can't travel, for the people and all that. You know, I don't know, charge, I don't know, uh, whatever for that service. What do you think, Tony? Um, it's a very good point, John. And um, I've actually looked at doing something like that. Uh, the other thing um, that I've looked at doing is also uh, DVDs for, for people as well. Oh, so okay. Not just an online thing, but a, a DVD thing as well. So it's a very good point you bring up. Um, the reason I went with the Tritune model boats for the boat charters around the island is I can also get wheelchairs and disabled people on board with those style boats because they, it's, it's not a climb up or climb down. It's just literally from the dock onto the boat. So that is, that is a possibility for people. In fact, I have had um, many wheelchair passengers on board the boat very good where do you go to tom nolan's dock oh is that where you that is that where you no, pin off uh, based out of the oak island resort and marina right so but you don't dock on oak island and then just go into the the museum and stuff like that right you just 
go around the island and back to the uh, hotel part, right? Uh, sort of true. We do. Um, we did offer a tour last year where we actually um, landed on Oak Island and uh, would take people up to the museum. And there was a lunch organised there, and that was in conjunction with the um, with Oak Island tours and with the um, Oak Island Resort and Marina. And the only thing that stopped a lot of that was COVID. Right. Obviously, that couldn't happen. I hear you, but I hope you have a great uh, 2021 year. If uh, this COVID uh, finally fades out with vaccines, I'll help you as much as I can. I always supported you from day one. So whatever I can do, I, I always pump you, and uh, I just hope I can help. God willing, this will be a, a, another great year. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so hoping that we, we have tourists back this year from the, the States. And there's so much um, crystal ball gazing. Nobody knows in these strange times right. what's going on. And so all we can do is, you know, we, we can just hope and, and, and pray that it's a better year. Yep. Okay. Here's going to be my first um, question about Oak Island. What does Tony Sampson think that's buried on Oak Island? And where? Oh, um, what I think and what I would like, I would love it to be Templar, obviously. And, um, you know, where do I think it is? It's, you know, so many people have so many different theories yeah. about Money Pit area. You know, mm -hmm. um, was it ever a treasure pit area? Was it um, an entrance to a cave? Was it an exit from a cave? Mm -hmm. And then there's now about tar kills the british military there's so many different theories about the island um if it was templar then i i would like that and as you showed that photo before john with the templar ship coming in mm -hmm. uh, that there with the draft of those old ships there is actually only three places on oak island you could get a ship like that even close and so those three locations are the northern side of the swamp um, by the Nolan property, mm -hmm. the southern side of the swamp by the bowl, uh, by the um, South Shore side there, um, and that which has appeared in the show um, quite recently when you're looking at the uh, east south southeastern side of the swamp area, mm -hmm. and the third area is the Boulderless Beach on the northern side, also. Now you're saying, Tony, close. How close? Do they still have to use a skittle or a, what do they call them, a small boat to get in? Or do they walk in or how does that work? Or a dory. Um, it, it depends on the weather as well, John. Like if it is a, a nice calm day, you know, even um, a couple of, you know, a, a hundred yards offshore on the boulderless beach, you're in 25, 30 feet of water. Oh, really? So that's a raft to bring something like that in. You know, so but realistically would you have beached it probably not you know, mm -hmm. you're exactly right would they have ferried stuff back and forth in dories then yes um when you look at those wharf-like structures in smith's cove if they extended out further then ships could obviously dock there on the southern side um on the southeastern side of the swamp that would allow ships to get close to shore and again dories could bring stuff ashore and that was that was common now what about but anyway, well, what about then when they say uh, Dr. Spooner mentioned that the swamp was a deep harbor? 
Now, I don't know if that was a factual statement that he said, yes, it was a harbor. Yes, it was deep. How would that affect uh, shipping? You know, obviously there was no road there and everything else. If that was the swamp was a deep harbor, that would be perfect for a ship of that size that I showed to go in there because uh, or not. Well, you see, um, I've seen a lot of people talking about, well, the, the water level back then was you know four feet lower or five feet lower if they're looking say back in the um, early 1600s mm -hmm. or late 50s. and that is that is correct but um, when you talk about erosion and depositation so some areas would have had um, soil and deposits taken away and others would have had it placed in position so when you look at that sort of um, activity, then people may have, it may have been a deeper area on that southeastern side of the swamp. Okay. But um, here's another thing that's been bothering me, Tony. Once you go into the war room next year, uh, ask him this within a two-minute piece. John Stemmer wants to know, <laughs> Why, after 10 or 12 years on the island, and we did have approval to be on Tom Nolan's property probably about two or three years ago, why are they just finding things now, like on Lot 15, and finding things now on Lot this and that? I mean, if I owned that island, whatever I owned, if it was covered in moss for 10 foot straight and 10 foot thick, I would be all over one island, I mean one lot, and then go to the next, and then go to the next to see if there's any kind of strange uh, foundations or strange mounds. Why does it seem like they're still finding things in 2020? It just boggles my mind. What's your idea on that, Tony? Thank you. Um, well, quite often things turn up. It's the same as on the shoreline. You know, I've heard time and time again, well, how did people find things? And it was only an inch or two inches below the surface and um, on the sand maybe, or even on the shore. Well, here in the winter, when we have temperatures of minus 15, minus 16 Celsius, quite often we have a thing here called frost heave. Mm -hmm. So that will act boulders and stones up to the surface. And then with the hurricanes and the ocean storms we have here, it'll actually pull um, sediment, soil, and even boulders, giant boulders, it will pull off the shore. And people say, well, how can a giant boulder be pulled off the shore? But what they don't realize is even though this is salt water, the ocean here, when it gets down to about minus 25, will freeze. Mm -hmm. And so it freezes at low tide. What happens is as the tide rises, um, it'll lift those boulders and carry them out to sea. Wow. Wow. But like I'm saying, I'm sort of directing to the uh, serpent mound that they found this year. Uh, and uh, I mean, that's a, big mound with boulders on top that looks like an old um, hill going around. So, and then Tom Nolan said his dad had no um, idea of that lot and didn't push any dirt there. But then Doug had a fox cam on YouTube because he was watching these foxes. <laughs> and I'm just wondering if he's watching these foxes, I mean, don't you look around and find these other areas and say, hey, the foxes are coming out of a den, but hey, look, look at these rocks. I mean, it just seems like I'm just scratching my head, Tony, that 
these are not things that the frost is heaving. This is not something that the tide's bringing in and out. This is a feature that's sitting on a lot as a mound. Please help me, Tony. Please help me understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, quite often, all it takes, John, is a new set of eyes. Mm, yeah. So you've got to remember this area, you know, if you go back to, say, the um, uh, late 1600s, 1700s, and then even the mid-1700s, the face of Oak Island was a lot different than it is today. And so um, when you look at uh, guys like Ball, McGuinness, Vaughan Smith, they were farming on the island as well. And so pretty much Oak Island was devoid of trees back then because obviously those scrubby trees weren't conducive to farming and cropping. So they were cut down. So what they saw then when they did that is a lot different to what's been seen over the years when the trees have grown back. So as trees are taken down now, you, you're having a, a different view of the area um, from now to what it was back then. And so back then you didn't have the bird's eye view that you can have now as well. Right. I put up a 1939 map. And uh, in the middle, it looks like a lot of farmland in the middle. You can see the squares. You can see the pastures. Yes. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if this was snow covered or what. I couldn't get any details on that. But that was the oldest map that I could find with an air shot, you know, from a plane on that old on the island. I don't know if you have older pictures of them, but 1939 is about as far as I can ever find. What do you think, Tony? Um. Yep, that, that looks around that era. And you will also see a, a wharf-like structure off, um, the, uh, off Smith's Cove area there as well. Yep. You see that, John? Yep, I'm here. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you now. Do you have visuals still? Yes, we're good. Excellent. Right. Yeah, so those, those sort of maps there, I mean, um, they're great to have that sort of uh, visual dating back to those periods of time. So as a good reference point, but right. you've got to even dating back to the, the 1600s, the footprint of Oak Island would have been different than it is today. Yep, this is a map from uh, Fred Nolan's tourist map that showed um, um, a big trench and uh, everything else. That, like maybe they were finding the ox uh, paths. And this was all shown on a map in 1975. So, I mean, we're finally getting to this. But um, it's just saying this information has been out there for like 45 years. And I'm a survey. I used to be a surveyor, Tony. I used to go to school for civil technology. And if I have the, um, the knowledge and the maps from uh, Fred Nolan now, if Tom gave Steve permission, I would be all over those maps and those plots. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you, John, but it's, it's one thing at a time. I mean, it's, you know, you, you can't have all the resources thrown at one corner when there's multiple things to look at. You know, so it's what takes priority at the time. And, mm -hmm. and that's way of... Yep. Um, let's see. 
Starlene, yes, I always thought it was different. Yep. Okay. What is the normal temperature range of the water? I have, maybe Tony can answer that. I'm not sure. Um, at the moment, we've got about, um, on the surface, we have about 37 degrees Fahrenheit. So um, that's about, uh, oh my goodness, five, about three degrees Celsius. And uh, in the winter, obviously, because of the, the freshwater um, flow around Oak Island, because we have the Gold River and Martins River mm -hmm. as well, does actually freeze solid all the way out to Apple Island on occasions. Wow. So with that, it can freeze, you know, five to six inches thick. Wow. And we, back in 2014 and again in 2007, we actually had ice yachting on Mahone Bay here. <laughs> but the bay was frozen that they could take ice yachts out. Unbelievable. And so that's as much now as it used to in the old days. But with the way um, global warming is going and the strange um, weather we've had over the last couple of years, last year and the year before in 2019, we actually had temperatures up around um, the mid-70s in the ocean. Okay. Um, we have a uh, call coming in now. Uh... Tony, I don't know if you can hear. This is Tammy, my moderator. Uh -huh. Hello, Tammy. Hey, John. Hi, Tony. How are you tonight? Good, thank you. Go ahead, Tammy. It's all yours. All right, Tony, I have two questions. Um, this is from season four when you were in the swamp with Jack, Marty, and Rick, and you found that long board. Did yes. you find anything else besides that board that wasn't aired? Um, I think, um, I'm not sure if it was aired that day, but we also found a spike as well. Right. Uh, that was Fred Nolan's spike. Correct. Yeah. And my second question is when you were diving on the anomaly with Alex and you said that it got really bad because the wind picked up. How bad, how bad really was it under when you were underwater? How hard, like how hard is it for you to swim when it gets that bad? It really depends on the depth that you're at, Tammy, and how close to shore you are. So if you're, um, okay. if you're further out in the ocean and deep, the effects of what's happening on the surface do not affect you as much as if you're closer to shore. Um, if you're on the leeward side of the island, so the direction where the wind is not coming from, so if you're sheltered by the island, it can still be good. But if you're on the windward side of the island, the way the wind is coming from, then things can pick up and they can actually throw you onto the rocks and, and, uh, and pound you into the reef. Wow, that's amazing. Now, Tammy. I did. Yes. How does it feel to talk to Tony Sampson from the show? Oh, my God. And get a one-on-one -on -one from the show and actually talk to the man himself. Isn't this fantastic? I just, you know, I, I love my group. And 
here's your chance to actually talk to the person on TV. Oh. And I really appreciate you, Tony, for coming on. And we got a whole bunch of things to go on. Go ahead, Tammy. Yeah, no. As soon as you said Tony Sampson was going to be on, what was my first message to you, John? I can't remember. I want to be the first caller. Yep. I said, I want to be the first caller. I have my questions. I'm ready. And it's just, everything is like popping in my mind now. It's uh, That dive you had when you went into the well. Yes. And you were checking um, the inside. How, how were you really confined in there? Because from watching it from TV, it looked like you were like, you couldn't move hardly anywhere besides up or down. Um, yes, up or down, but I mean, it's, you know, that, that's just part of the job, Tammy, you know, so it's, you know, if you're claustrophobic, um, probably. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, definitely. You, you can't be claustrophobic <laughs> for that. Yeah. Oh my God. Hey, John, I'm going to open up the phone line to okay. let other people call in if you want to. Tony Sampson, thank you so much. Thank you too, So you, much Tammy. for being on this show. Thank you, Tammy. I love watching you when you're on there. So, thank you again. Okay, Thanks, thank you. Yeah. All right, bye. Um, I'm seeing some of the other questions here, John. So, um, David uh, Claw there is writing. Wow, ice skate to Oak Island, and yeah. yes, you can ice skate to Oak Island um, if it's cold enough. And in fact, we have a lady here in Mahone Bay who used to ice skate to school from Zwicker Island. Um, wonder, uh, do you think the slipway paved area is connected to what you dove outside in the swamp? Um, possibly, um, again, you know, w without further uh, exploration, that's a hard one. Um, so Joanne Fleming, uh, so the tours are seasonal. Yes, they are. In the winter, um, I would need, um, an ice boat or, uh, even a Jeep to drive you around on the ocean on the ice. And in oh fact, in the 70s, guys used to drive their cars on the ice um, out around uh, Oak Island Resort there. Right. I'll have a link up to uh, TonySaltyDogTours.com. It'll be uh, uh, on my uh, Facebook group and my YouTube channel to get a hold of them. Um, just tell them Johnny sent you. Fantastic. There's another one here, John. Um, does it freeze between Oak Island and Frog Island? Um uh, it was to 2017, there was actually ice uh, between frog, apple, and oak. And we actually broke that um, up with a barge when we were out there one day, um, me and Ryan, uh, who you might have seen as the skipper of the barge. And also when we had the cofferdam out there, uh, 2019, um, we had ice all the way out to Frog Island as well. In fact, uh, we were actually doing a dive in the winter out there, and the ice formed around our boat while, while, while we were out there. Now, Tony, have you found any artifacts similar to Oak Island artifacts on other islands or any dives that you've done uh, off of Oak Island? Um, well, I mean, there's artifacts. It, it depends what you mean. Um, is there any specific artifacts? I mean, there's nails. Uh, with the British Broadhead arrow mark from shipwrecks around the coast here. Okay. Uh, 
there's been artifacts found on other islands. Um, there's been coins found washed up on the coast of Cape Breton in the early 1900s. Uh, Louis Dior coins, so um, King Louis of France. Um, so it really is shipwreck central around the coast of Nova Scotia here. Right. And uh, Laird also said any underwater archaeology can be conducted by a permit from the province. And he told me he can get a permit within two or three weeks. Does that seem to go the same way with uh, underwater or does that take a little longer because of COVID? Um, well, with, what we'd have to do is actually find something um, underwater that we could actually uh, try and identify and, and do a permit for. Right. So with, um, with shipwrecks around the coast of Nova Scotia, obviously, a lot of them have already been discovered. And so they were popular dive sites. Okay. And as I before Cape Breton Island, Scattery Island, St. Paul's Island, all the way out to Sable Island, which they call the graveyard of the Atlantic. You know, there's thousands and thousands of these shipwrecks out there. Wow. And you've got to remember, whoever came to Oak Island did not come on one ship. You know, they would have come in multiple ships, not only for protection, but to divide the assets up amongst themselves. So whether it was Templars or or pirates or or conquistadors or whoever, they would have come in a fleet. Same as the 1715 fleet that sank off the coast of Florida there, where Gary finds a lot of stuff on the beaches rock washed up. Yeah, we want to say hello to Jake Roberts. He came aboard. Hello, Jake. How you doing? Hi, Jake. But, um, yeah, um, what else did they have to say? So what's the most... They want to know what's the most thing that you have found around the area that's more precious to you that you've found so far, you know, dives commercially or dives wherever. It doesn't have to be Oak Island. Just what's your top, your top find in your scuba fin, not Gary's top pocket, top <laughs> pocket find. But we got to call uh, Tony's fin pocket. What's your number one fin pocket find? Oh, I love gold coins, John. I really do. So, <laughs> so, so gold coins are good. Yeah. And um, so, you know, no matter where you are around the world, you know, if you're, if you're diving and whether it be um, uh, artifacts that are washed up on the beach or, or you're on a shipwreck and, and all of a sudden you fan the sand there and, and you get that glint of gold, you know, that really is a moment when your heart goes from mm. 50 to 100. I hear you. And you, you even got me interested. I never even looked at Frog Island, to tell you the truth, Tony. But when they said they got materials off of Frog Island to do something, to build something somewhere, you know, I had to look at Frog Island a little bit. But I couldn't really find no history of uh, what they took off that island. If Oak Island had a bunch of trees, that they need more wood? They, I mean, I don't know what Frog Island gave them material-wise to build whatever-wise you know, on Oak Island. You got any input on that? Well, Frog Island um, was actually very interesting in the fact that some people believe there was actually a British encampment on Frog Island dating back to the mid-1700s. And the other thing of interest is that John Smith, uh, one of the original guys on Oak Island, actually owned Frog Island back in those days. And in those days, it wasn't actually called Frog Island. It was called Adolphus Island. 
So even Oak Island itself has not always been Oak Island. So Oak Island started its life as Smith Island um, after Captain Smith. And then it became island number 28 when it was surveyed by Morris in um, the 1760s. And then after that, it became Gloucester Island in, um, by Des Barres in 70, 1776. And then only after that, in the late 1700s, was it called Oak Island because of the uh, locals calling it Oak Island because of the oak trees. So when you look at an area, it's very important. You know, if you're treasure hunting um, or, or trying to find and piece history together, that, oh, I see you pulled up Adolphus Island there. When, right, um, this is a map from 1775. And what my member asked me is, John, yes, what's that island between Frog Island and Oak Island? It's not there anymore. So, that's the so Tony, island. I'm asking you. That's the Frog Island Shoal. A shoal. What does that mean? It's a reef. Oh, just a reef. Okay. Yeah. But it's very important, John, because back in those days, um, you can see there from 1775, that was high and dry. Yeah. So that was above sea level back then. And you can also see... Uh, the shape of Oak Island actually doesn't even look like what we consider Oak Island to look like nowadays. Well, couldn't they measure the depth of that island that sunk, and then we know how much the sea rose? I mean, simple. I don't know. I can tell you straight off that the top of that reef now is nine feet at low tide. Nine feet of water? Above it at low tide, yes. Nine feet? Oh, my God! What you've got to realize, John, is it's not just what the sea level has risen. Here again, we talk about erosion and depositation. Yeah. Some of that would have eroded away and been deposited somewhere else. Right, right, right. So with, the storms, all, with the storms the you have up there, I mean, things move around like crazy. Yeah. Well, we lost over 50 feet um, of some of the uh, islands last year. Uh, in Hurricane Dorian. So 50 feet of shoreline got taken away. Oh, my God. And on Frog Island, Tony, if you know, number one, who owns it? And number two, who lives there? There's a house on there towards the end, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Help me out, Tony. Um, yes, it is a cottage, um, and uh, it is privately owned, yes. Now, I remember in the beginning of the seasons, um, the team with Gary and his metal detector went to some, I, I can't, I can't remember, went to some island. They got hits with the metal detector. Then obviously because of the treasure trove license or something, if they found something there, they couldn't keep it and such and such. Do you know what island that Gary went to? And I tried to find the episode, but I couldn't find it. Can you help me out there too or no, Tony? Yes, that was actually Gary, myself and Jack. And, uh, <laughs> and so if you look at that other image you have up there at the moment, John, you'll see that small island to the east of Oak Island and on the southern side of Frog Island, and that's Apple Island. Okay, so you're on that small Apple Island. That's where you were. Okay. Yeah. And the interesting thing there is if you look at that tail, leading off to the western side of Apple Island. That is also now a shallow shoal or sandbar that is visible at low tide. 
Right. Right. I mean, you got to know all these things because you drive the boat right around there, right? I don't know yes. your I don't know your pattern of uh, which how you enter Oak Island, but I mean, of all people to know, you would know. Yep. So that area there, it's interesting. You you marked out the Frog Island there. So in a line from the western side of Frog Island across to Oak Island, that takes you pretty much to the Boulderless Beach, one of those deep parts. And then if you draw a line from Oak Island. Island and from Frog Island out, the apex of the triangle is Apple Island. So that's now, affectionately called the Oak Island Triangle, and that's where things go wrong. Right. And Tony, how far is it from Frog Island to the Boulderless Beach? How far is that? Um, off the top of my head, I'd say probably uh, three quarters of a kilometer. So very close. Yeah. It's, it's not a far distance at all, but there is a deep channel in there. So um, it, uh, as you come on the um, southern side of, of uh, Apple Island there, it's about 60, 65 feet of water. That deep? Yes. Well, I would think it would be more shallower as the closer you got, but these depths you're telling me, like 35 feet, about 100 feet out, 65 feet out a little water. That's pretty deep then, in my, my opinion. That's only in those certain areas. Um, so around the rest of the island is pretty much a shallow reef area that can be four or five feet deep. Oof. And when you look at that, you've got to remember that that would have been um, above uh, the ocean going back into the 1600s, 1700s. Unbelievable. Now I'm going to go back in history a little bit that this one part drove me crazy and it was uh it was c1 i don't know how much you can say about c1 but when the divers went down to c1 and they came up empty-handed oh we lost tony I got to find you. Yeah, I'm here. I got to find you in the, uh, hold on. It takes a little while to come back, Tony. Hold on. I got you. I got you twice. You, you Can you see me okay? I can see you, yes. I got two years on the bottom here. Okay. Okay. I don't have a twin. There you go. There you go. But, uh, okay, what was it talking about? All right. Um, about C1. Uh-huh. All those things that the camera showed. I'm trying to find the stupid picture. Yet, when Mike Huntley went down there and couldn't re retrieve... Um, anything now is that just shadows is it my brain playing tricks on me i mean then they redove c1 again but yet they couldn't go to the bottom so inform my members and myself the diver couldn't go to the bottom because of why and why are these items that are shown on a camera 
cannot be, you know, GPS and gone that way and to retrieve some of these things if they're just not shadows. Help me out, Tony. Well, quite often, you know, what you'll see is just light and it can be light reflecting off of something in the anhydride. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, uh, with Terry talking about the anhydride, it's like some things should not be embedded in the anhydride. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things that may appear to be, you know, for want of a better word, artifacts or coins or whatever, might just be shapes that you see that, you know, weren't actually what you thought they were. And as far as, as diving to depth, when you have a ceiling that um, or where, where you have a bottom, a hard bottom, and when I say hard bottom, that is a depth that you cannot go below, mm-hmm. changing your decompression f- profiles. So then you, you have a certain ceiling you cannot ascend above. So your whole profile changes if you, if you change your, your procedure there. But what about these people, like say uh, they crash a plane in the ocean, they're down two miles or something, they got to retrieve the bodies and the plane and everything else. And these divers have equipment that they can stay down there for two hours or three hours at a time. That's just not available to do something like this here? Just to use it? It's saturation diving, John. So you're, you're going down in a bell, you go out of the bell to do your job, and then you come back into the bell. Okay, it's a bell. I thought it was some kind of big suit with that big iron helmet and stuff like that, I was thinking. Yeah, it depends on the depths that you're talking about. Um, there's, if you, if you look up saturation diving, just Google saturation diving, and you will see that even in the 1970s, there was a recovery done in the Barents Sea, um, by a Welsh diver actually called Keith Jessup. And, um, it was when they recovered, uh, the gold off the, um, wreck of the Edinburgh. And from memory, um, I'm getting older now, but I, from memory, I think it was almost 10 tons of gold they recovered off that. Oh, my God. And that was in a depth of about 900 feet of water. Wow. Um, Chris has a, a question for you, Tony. Fire uh, away. I can't see it, John. If you can talk about the triangle stone you found underwater off the south shore, was it in line with the stone triangle in the money pit? And how far was it offshore? Um, that was uh, the one that we actually showed on the show. Um, yes, it was a triangular stone off the coast. And again, that was in uh, at low tide and about 15 feet of water as I moved closer to the shore. So going back, you know, if you look at, uh, say, four, five feet of sea level um, depth change over the years. But again, that depends on depositation as, you know, with the erosion factor there. That may have been just on the beach going back to the 1600s. And yes, it did line up with the money pit area and the stone triangle on the shore. Fantastic. So when you look at magnetic, it was about 360 magnetic. Joanne wants to know, why will the government not allow gathering artifacts off the ocean floor? Um, well, again, that's the Treasure Trove Act was repealed in 2010. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a lot of talk about that. Um, it pretty much killed treasure hunting in the ocean up here. And, uh, and so some people 
think what's a better idea is a collaboration between archaeologists and treasure hunters. And I, I agree with that myself because pretty much no government has got money to fund um, shipwreck exploration. You know, it's only when a diver or um, a treasure hunting team find a shipwreck that's worthy of, of salvaging um, do they actually get involved and, and get um, archaeologists out there to, to actually help. But, you know, you can imagine the public outcry if people said, well, hang on a minute, instead of healthcare this year, we're going to spend $200 million on, on shipwrecks. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, Tony. I hear you. I mean, obviously, the, the difference to that would be something like the Erebus and the Terror that were found um, up in the Arctic um, over the last few years where uh, Parts Canada has been involved in the recovery and the documentation of those wrecks in the Arctic. And that was from the Franklin Expedition. Oh, my God. Okay, I got to get your opinion because we'll button up in a little while. I don't want to keep you any longer than you have. Um, what about Fred Nolan's cross? Nolan's cross. Give us your ideas on, you know, I mean, Aaron's pointing to the tunnel treasure uh, entrance and cone E, the bottom boulder. People are putting X's uh, all over the place. They're all my friends. All the theorists are my friends. I mean, at least they're coming out now and they're putting X's. Try this spot. Try that spot. Try this spot. But what's your personal opinion on uh, Fred Nolan's uh, boulders and maybe some of the theorists' uh, idea, if you can say? Thank you, Tony. Um, well, the Nolan's cross is fascinating, obviously, because Fred Nolan spent so much of his life uh, measuring and surveying every part of that island on, on that property side there. And when you look at it, I mean, you know, if, if there's one anomaly, it's like, okay, that's just one. But when there's so many things that, that align with that, then it's like, well, hang on a minute, something's got to be going on here. And I mean, with the theories, there's so many, you know, and, um, you know, to touch on everyone would, would take forever. And, and so I think the other week when somebody was mentioning the money pit area, you know, about um, it being dug. And I, uh, I mentioned then, well, well, who said it was ever dug? You know, I mean, the money pit may have existed as a cave vent. And uh, if, if the swamp was um, a cave system, then they could have brought a ship into the swamp, unloaded the treasure into the caves, broke the ship up to seal the caves up and made their exit out of a cave vent that we know is the money pit. Because you've got to remember, the money pit was never created going down. The money pit was created coming up. And the reason I say that is that you have the soil and the planks and the soil and the planks and the soil and the planks. You do that coming up, not going down. So if you're digging, if I'm 200 feet and I'm digging with my other 150 people and I dig up 10 feet and I put a platform... No, no, no. I'm not saying dig up. Um, what if it never had to be dug? What if it always existed? What if it was a cave vent? Oh, never... just, a, just a regular 13-foot cave lined with clay. Yeah, or a cave vent. So uh, we've got okay. a post here that we call the ovens, which is a cave system where the um, rum runners and the privateers used to hide their stuff. Oh, so, okay. In Nova Scotia. So, I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate, John. You know, so, I know. You know, people say, well, you know, how, how was it dug all those years ago? But what if it was never dug? What if it was a cave vent? 
Right. And I'm always thinking, hey, these guys got to breathe down there and we can't find no vents anyplace. Because if they did take it out, which I don't think they did, they would never cover it up. And yet they need air to breathe. Yeah. So if, if it was a cave vent, they would have that air. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris Donna, Tony, do you think there's a connection between the island and the foundation found in New Ross? Um, that's a very interesting one, Chris. Um, I was actually shown a picture only a few weeks ago by a man in New Ross from his farm of a um, almost looks like Hadrian's Wall, this long, long wall and road area that extends, um, he, he said, half a kilometer on his property towards the Halifax area. And so that would fit in with stories of the time of troops coming from the high ground back towards Halifax on those areas. So those stone structures, again, I don't have a date on them, but that well in New Ross uh, that John mentioned before, I mean, it was very interesting in the fact that every stone was meticulously placed. It was perfect. It really Un was. Unbelievable. Um, Jake, who is a friend of mine, Jake Roberts, is asking if he can put an X. If I could put an X in the water south of the island, do you want to take a look? I guess he's going to, if it's okay for him to contact you, uh, Tony. You put an X anywhere out there and I'll dive it. There you go, Jake, my main man. There you go, right from the man himself. I love Tony. He's so knowledgeable and thinks about things in such depth. Yeah, I like this cave system. <laughs> it's only an idea. You know, it's... it's only your idea, yep. Yep. But, you know, with... Um... We, with the tar, um, the tar kilns in the British military, the thing with the British military is wherever the British military went, their artifacts had the broadhead arrow mark on it. Yeah, but shouldn't we find a lot more stuff than we're finding if there was a lot, of, lot more people on the Oak Island? It seems so clean. I know they reuse axes and they reuse tools and reforge them, but I would say we'd be finding a lot more stuff than we're finding. I mean, um, what do you think, Tony? If it was British military, then it would have that mark on it. Yeah. So, you know, the axes, the spades, the shovels, the picks, the bayonets, the uh, the rifles or the muskets, mm -hmm. they have that broadhead marrow mark on it, John. And that goes back to the 1300s was the first instances that that broadhead arrow mark was seen. But it depends on the time frame that you're looking at. Like, um, you, uh, being down where you are in the States, you've obviously heard of the white pine. And um, do you, have you ever heard of, of, of the white pine riots or the pine tree riots? Nope. And so if you look up in 1772 in Boston, okay, at the pine tree riots because the British military was even marking the white pine trees with the broadhead arrow marks, hmm. which made it legal for the, um, the locals to cut those trees down on crown property for building buildings or for their own use because they were earmarked for the British Navy. And in those days, it was any tree measured 12 inches off the ground that was 24 inches in diameter. And they were, in, they were earmarked as mast trees for the British Navy. And so they took it to a level that the, even the trees were marked. And so wow. 1772, they took it down to 12 inch trees. And so at the Battle of Bunker Hill there, 
Um, that's why the white pine was actually on the flag because it was a protest mm -hmm. uh, out of the riots. It was act, one of the first acts of the American Revolution. Wow. We got another question here. Were you just as interested in Oak Island before the Laguini brothers took over? And have you educated them on your new or what your new one, what you knew when Rick and Marty got involved? Were you interested in Oak Island before all this happened, uh, Tony, or just no? No, I was actually interested before I, I met Rick and Marty. And um, I think, I don't know what episode of the show it was on, um, but um, it might have actually been, actually it was on um, a drilling down, I think, when they were profiling um, different people. And I think Doug was on it, I was on it, uh, Gary was on it. And um, they showed a picture of me in um, 2003, um, sitting outside a tent where I was in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. reading a book, the, the Treasures of Oak Island. So, wow, wow. Before I met Rick and Marty. But I also read that same article, the Reader's Digest one, because my father was a, a Reader's Digest collector. But uh, I got to say one thing, uh, Tony, that made me crack up a little bit. When I was trying to research some things, and I look back just a little bit, not far back. I don't keep that many notes. I got like three questions for you and I just wing it. But I had this one clip that when you were in the swamp with the guys on TV and you not dove, but you sort of dove into the swamp, but yet your air tank was still showing above the water. And you came up all full of mud and muck and roots and leaves and everything else. I says, when he took the dive, and if his air tank is still showing, <laughs> you only dove maybe in a, in a foot of water. Do you remember that scene? Yeah, it's only a, it was only a shallow part, but that particular dive was the dive that I found the um, stone um, uh, paved area out there. So the reason for the tank was to pull yourself down under the roots and into the mud. Oh, my God, what a mess. Yeah, so it's, you know, there's a reason for everything. So you've got to remember what you see on TV is only a fraction of what actually goes on. So, you know, if you see five seconds of, of you know, us falling into the swamp and, and pulling ourselves down, we've probably been crawling around in there for <laughs> six or seven hours. So um, anything you see, you, you've got to take it with that context, you know. It's, I, I see some people put comments up on some of these Facebook sites, and it's like, why did they do this? Why didn't they explore that more? Right. But what you see is, is infinitesimal to what actually goes on. Right. That's why I, I have my site. We have all the theorists on, and when they can say it, you know, they got NDAs just like you. When they can explain the whole theory that they worked years for, just not three or four minutes on the show, and tell us the details and tell us and work up to that three or four minute episode and then we get a grasp of everything that's going on you know what i mean tony yeah definitely and and sometimes it's it's just you know sometimes you get lucky out there and there's there's no you know there's no rhyme or reason you know why one day you'll be diving somewhere and you know you think hell i'll go to the left hand side today you know and the storms have turned something up and you'll find a porthole or a coin you know, on something that, you know, you've, you've dove a hundred times, mm -hmm. the weather's changed it. And the weather will move, as I said before, boulders and things on the bottom of the ocean. You know, I've, I've seen a sea buoy thrown 150 meters inland after one of the hurricanes here. Oh, my God. 
Um, Chris has another question. Have you done dove on a possible shipwreck off the South shore? Um, I've, I've dove uh, a few possible shipwreck sites off the South shore area. Um, some of them date back to some early stuff uh, that was in the 1990s um, that I believe was actually some of um, uh, Gordon Fader's work. And so from his Bathy um, uh, work from the, from the 1990s there, uh, and um, also of interest around um, Rafius Island, Mason's Island, and um, the shoals leading into Chester there, where obviously the American um, privateer ship, the young teaser, uh, was destroyed or destroyed herself in 1813. Wow, we got a question from Tom Burns. Do you have easy access to the island or only when invited? And do you wish you were on the show more regularly? Um, thank you, Tony. Um, I'm literally just down the road from the island. So I'm on and off all the time. Again, what you see on the show is a small part. So I don't know. Sometimes I might be on the island seven days a week. But yeah, other times I might sort of come back you know, once a week. It, it, it all depends on what's going on. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, gang, let's uh, wrap it up a little bit. Anybody got any more questions? Uh, I don't want to hold Tony up. He's got things to do also, so I wanted to. Uh, see if we got any more questions for him, and then we'll start wrapping it up. Michelle, I know you may can't say this answer, but is it any time frame when they are going to show the possible 1300 shoreline? Um, the possible 1300 shoreline, there's so many variables in that. And I mean, it's not just looking at the shore and going, well, that's four feet down. That would have been above water in the 1600s. Because as I said before, and you know, Ian um, brought, uh, Dr. Spooner brought this up uh, before, with the erosion and depositation, some areas might have been way, 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 way higher. And there might have been a channel. And if you look at the South Shore area, you will actually see that on the southeastern side of the swamp, that is a deeper area, and you'll see the drop off there. And especially if you're on uh, my boat uh, tour, you will actually see we're on a reef, and it's about 7 to 15 feet, and then all of a sudden it drops down to 30. So that would have been the channel that uh, went into that swamp area that Ian was talking about. And our last uh, item I want to show you, Tony, is the uh, air vents or air holes. Obviously, it's not frozen yet. And that other one is the latest scan showing those two sort of looking canisters that the sonar showed. And probably you're going to be diving on these things. I'm not sure. But um, we'd like to get some updated pictures on this stuff because that's all I got is the latest pictures like 2016. That was, you know, five years ago. And I was wondering if... Uh, they got any kind of plans to uh, look at this thing happening over one, you know, once everything freezes up, go ahead, Tony. Um, so with the ice holes, that's not a phenomenon that's just around Oak Island. You'll see that around other islands and other places here as well, John. And so quite often what you'll find, and we've, we've seen that in the swamp with the eye of the swamp as well. Um, the freshwater resurgence there or well or spring. 
And so there's all kinds of freshwater springs all around here. And in fact, I have three on my own property here in Mahone Bay. And so with these areas here, you'll see on the bottom of the ocean, if you're swimming along, you'll see a, um, maybe a weedy, kelpy area. And then all of a sudden there'll be a sandy area where maybe even a little bit of a depression. And as you swim over it, you'll feel a thermocline. And a thermocline is that change in temperature. So you might be in, say, 50 degrees water temperature, and it'll drop to 38. So, you know, that's one of those freshwater springs. And the bubbling will actually mm -hmm. stop the ice forming. So same as you find on some of the marinas around here, they'll have a bubbling system along the side of the docks that stops the ice forming. And so that might be an explanation for the ice holes. But... You know, again, playing devil's advocate, maybe they are vents or, or the flood tunnel system vents that, that are constantly bubbling, that are, that are causing this. Were you uh, satisfied on the red dye? Again, tried maybe for the third time, you know, finding out that it's coming out of Smith's Cove. Were you satisfied in, in that? I wasn't really satisfied uh, uh, with the dye test. What do you think, Tony? Well, the dye test... Again, if we could wind the clock back, John, I think if you had done that in the um, in, in the days of Sam Ball, mm -hmm. you know, 1780s, 1790s, um, you would have got a much cleaner um, result. Because if you look at what's been done to Oak Island since 1795, and um, especially with Dunfield's work, you know, where he pretty much strip mined the mm -hmm. money pit. Yeah. Feet. You know, all that damage to the searcher shafts um, and to the depositor shafts as well. The uh, dynamiting of, um, of uh, 10X and the money pit area and also the stone triangle area all has right. caused movement, shifting and a change in those tunnels and, and vents. Okay. So, uh, you know, Dye test have been different if it was done 150 years ago, then of course it would have. Right you know? now, what about the? Uh, I, I come up with another question. I'm sorry, Tony. Far away. That's what I'm here for. Um, on the seismic testing in the in the in the swamp, they did 2,000. In the money pit, they did 1,500 seismic testing. Now, when everybody's coming up with all these tunnels, old survey maps are showing tunnels, Steve's out there looking for tunnels, yet none of the seismic testing, it showed the big anomaly in the swamp. It didn't show any paved roads. I mean, if there's a paved road in two areas, they should have hit that trying to put the charge in because I think they remember they had to go down two feet, three feet, four feet. Why would it didn't show like the, the stone paveway on the top, the little stone paveway on the bottom, and all these tunnels they're mentioning now in 2020, when all this seismic testing has been done, documented, and all the rest of the scanners, they must have had, a, a, you know, 30 scanners, not only for the foundations, but they were all over the place. All kinds of scanners did not show these tunnels. And now Gary has a more expensive scanner. That he can even go lower, not calling these people. And if they have a uh, supposed tunnel here and there, he can actually put that machine of his on there and actually see it. I guess it doesn't go past 40 feet, but he's right there to show it right away. So my question is, why didn't all this testing 
show all these tunnels and corridors that people are saying. Go ahead, Tony. Well, it depends on what's above them as well, John. I mean, you know, in the swamp area, there was so much debris, tree roots, growth, vegetation going back hundreds of years. And so I am not an expert in that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a water guy. Right. So I, I can't answer to the science of the seismic testing. You know, all I can all I can say there is just from myself crawling around in there and diving in that swamp, the amount of, of roots and, and tree roots and, and substantial, uh, you know, stumps that were there, you know, and some of them obviously dating back a long period of time. You know, it's like why, you know, why or what were they there for? And um, as far as the paved area, I mean, in season one when I found that, you know, I had no idea what it was. Right. I All I knew was it felt like some sort of walkway into the mm -hmm. swamp. And it wasn't until it was investigated further a couple of years back did it actually show what, you know, what it really was. You know, and and again, it's it's not just with Oak Island. You know, it's a treasure hunting in general. You go down, you're led down one path. So you go down there and, you know, it's, there's not a, a big sign at the end that says stop here, go back. You know, it's investigating each route or um, each uh, theory as you have the opportunity to do that. And again, if you look down in the States with Mel Fisher and the wreck of the Atosha off the Florida Keys, you know, to, to get the answers that Mel got out of that and Mel and the Fisher family. I mean, it took them 20 odd years. And I was back down there and I think, oh, 207. And they're still bringing stuff up off the Atosha, even, you know, and that, you know, again, from wrecks dating back to the 1600s. You know, so I know that doesn't help you much with the seismic anomalies in the swamp, but I, I don't know. I'm, that's not my field. I hear you. I hear you. Well, Tony, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I hope you can come back once we get some more new information out of season eight. I told my members and YouTube members, we're giving the team a break in 2020. You know, because of the COVID, I think they're giving us a lot of information. And I thank them to even give us a season eight this year. And I'm telling my members, well, what about the big dig? I have no idea. They're looking for the least expensive way to do the big dig right now. But they got to show a purpose to the province, to why they want to dig that as a big dig. They got to give the province a strict data that this is what I think it's there. This is the proof that's there. And then Laird's got to write it up to do such a dig, right? Yeah. Um, and it, 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 that's, you know, that's true. And I mean, who knows what this winter will turn up if we have another, you know, fierce bunch of storms like we had the other year. I mean, it could be anything that's, that's washed up or turned up. I mean, you might have a pirate shipwreck uncovered off the coast there. Who knows? Right. But, uh, like, again, I want to thank you so much. Um, I'm going to have a, another drink of Woodford for you. I salute and cheers you, Tony. Cheers, John. It was my pleasure. And um, everybody, stay safe. Keep watching. Um, again, it's the world's longest-running treasure hunt. So it's, it's a great, great mystery. And um, I'm just so fortunate that I, I've managed to be part of it, thanks to Marty, Rick, and the team. And um, I thank you guys for, for supporting us and, um, and helping with, you know, this mystery, you know, with right. all the and, um, and uh, all the, um, 
all the help and support you've given. Thank well, you. You want, to, you want to show that card, Tony? Oh, here we'll we show go. Tony's card, Tony's business card, and I'll put it all on the chat anyways. But So if you're up in Nova Scotia, if you can make it up here, then um, check out Salty Dog Sea Tours, saltydogseatours.com. And uh, you can also find merch on our sites now. So just like John's got his cup, we have our cups and our shirts and our hats. And if you make it up here, it will be great to see you on the boat wearing one of my shirts. Yep. But if I come up, Tony, it'll be for 10 days. So be ready for a big bar bill. Oh, if you come up for 10 days, I think we'll be able to um, get you out to an island for a special barbecue, John. <laughs> I thank you so much. You're the best, Tony. I thank you so much. Take care, my friend. Bye-bye now. everybody and stay safe. Okay. What do you think of that, guys? He'll be here. And I thought he did great. He's the best. I thanked him for coming on. He's the best. I'll be back with Tony after I just log off right here. I want to thank all you guys. Remember, always go forward. Never step back. If you got a dream and you believe in it, go for it, no matter how old you are. You might have setbacks, but you always go forward in life, no matter what life brings you. I thank everybody for coming. We'll see you Tuesday night pre-show, and we'll go from there. Thank you, everybody.